Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. There's not many teams at the beginning of the year that can say that. We have a chance to, and and it's got to be on us to make that happen. You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Ramey. This is our opportunity. Our time is is now. Our window is now. 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 Long pass. Couture gets it. Tipped by Nyquist across the line. Couldn't get the pass back. And the Sharks do get the puck recovered. Nyquist to the right side. Meyer. Eric Carlson. Meyer the shot. Hope that. Why? Meyer sends it front. Nyquist. Eric Carlson shot. Score! Eric Carlson gets the shot away. It might have been tipped in front. And it is a Sharks 5-4 win. But the Blues are protesting. They say that might have been gloved in the net. So hold on, folks. This one might not be over. No, they did not call a hand pass here, folks. They did not call a hand pass. Nobody called it. It wasn't blown dead. They can't call this back. This cannot be challenged. This game is over. This was a hand pass by Timo Meyer that doesn't get picked up. And Nyquist shuffles it over after the hand pass from Timo Meyer. But they did not call it a hand pass. This cannot come back. Everyone keeps talking about the hand pass, so there must have been something there. But at the end of the day, it was there were calls that go both ways. That's the playoffs. There's adversity. You always got to adjust and handle it and keep your cool. And at times we've done a great job with it, and at times we could be better. You know, it's always just a, a lesson that at the end of the night, it's all about the wins and losses. If you get the extra call, great. If not, you really have to. Um, you know, just keep playing because, you know, they're, they're not trying to screw anybody. They really aren't. They're, they're good guys. Um. Yeah, suddenly that non-call on the clearance over the glass doesn't look too bad. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Welcome to Morning Tide. I'm your host, Ted Ramey. Wow, I don't even know where to begin after that one last night. I guess we can start with the hand pass that wasn't. Um, If you go to the letter of the law, the only way that I'm guessing that the interpretation of that play is that because the puck was, you know, spinning end over end in the air and Meyer was attempting to bat it down, I guess the end result was an advantage, but maybe that because it was in such chaos in the midst of a couple of players and three sticks that maybe the officials thought that it hit a stick or whatever it was. I'm not really sure. It certainly could have been called as a hand pass. I'm certainly happy that it wasn't. But in the words of 49ers head coach Steve Mariucci, following their amazing comeback win against the Giants in January of 2003 in the playoffs when he was told that his team probably should have been called for pass interference on the play that ended the game, but wasn't? Bummer. Yeah, bummer. Sucks for St. Louis. But we move on and the Sharks have taken back home ice. They lead this series two games to one. And I don't want to hear it from anybody who's talking about, oh, well, the Sharks are getting the breaks. The Sharks are getting this. The Sharks are getting that. Shove it. I don't care about any of that. 
If you want to win this game and you're the St. Louis Blues, don't let the team that's trailing 4-3 get the game-tying goal with time winding down in the game. It is just that simple. I know we're going to talk about this one for the next 48 hours. It's all anybody's going to talk. Oh, the Sharks get another break. I'm a national media member, and suddenly I care about a West Coast hockey team. Let me give you my terrible takes. Well, things are going to change once again because the Sharks got to... Like, listen, all that, it can all go to hell. It can all just kind of go into the ethos of everything that's been going on around this postseason. The fact of the matter is, is the Sharks are taking advantages of these moments as they are being presented. Whether it is a five-minute major, whether it is pulling your keeper and getting a game-tying goal, whatever it is, the Sharks have been able to take advantage. Oh, you want to say, oh, well, you know, that shouldn't have been an offside in the series against Cut. Like, I don't care. Don't make the mistakes. Don't open the door. If you want to win a game, you should probably be prepared to win it cleanly. And I mean that by that, don't leave it so close that something can happen the other way. If you want to win, win it. Don't let another team take it. And last night, St. Louis let the San Jose Sharks take it. Now, the onus was on the Sharks. They were trailing 4-3. They had blown 2-0 and 3-1 leads. They gave up three consecutive goals to find themselves down 4-3. But then they got huge stops from Martin Jones. They tightened up completely. And they were able to put themselves in a position to stay in that game. Mostly due to the huge performances of Martin Jones. He was electric. He made some massive saves. And people on Twitter were giving him all sorts of crap. And talking about leading up to that saying, oh well... You know, Jones is looking rattled. Like, Jones isn't rattled. Those were some world-class goals that were scored against him. And also some really difficult situations where almost any goalie in the history of the NHL might be prone to give up a goal. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs. Right now, the guys that are still active are the best of the best. And I don't mean that when you look at everybody's overall talent in the NHL, but I just mean these are the teams that are performing better than everybody else. These are the teams that are operating at a spectacularly high level, and when you are performing, when you are playing at that level, it doesn't matter who you usually are in the regular season. It doesn't matter who you are a series ago. It matters that your team keeps on advancing and keeps on performing at an exceptionally high level, so the level of difficulty, the overall challenge that a goalie might be facing in terms of shot selection, and shot quality, it's going to be that much higher. It's going to be that much more intense. It's going to be that much more real. And that's what Martin Jones was dealing with. And okay, he gave up four goals. Guess what? He made huge stop after huge stop after huge stop that kept the Sharks alive in this game and allowed them to tie it and then send it to overtime where they won it. Bennington did not do the same. The door was open for the Sharks because the door was open for the Sharks. It's not that they just pounded their way in. It's not that they just said, oh, we're going to be the better team right now. The St. Louis Blues left the door open and a team as talented as the San Jose Sharks, as resilient as they are, who can come back and score goals at will, as it would seem, as we've definitely seen evidenced in this playoffs, they took advantage of that and they lead the series two games to one and people are going to cry foul and they're going to say this, that, and the other thing. And again, I put this back on St. Louis. If you have the emotional swing in a game that puts you up 4-3 after being down 2-0 and 3-1, shut the door. Shut the door and win the game and don't let the officials change it and don't let any other thing in the game be the determining factor. Win it yourself. 
don't leave it open for another team to come back into us, which is exactly what happened last night. Now, looking into the top performances from this game, Logan Couture is the best player on the planet right now. He is playing out of his mind. And I love that it's happening in the postseason, by the way, because I have a big problem with Peyton Manning and Clayton Kershaw and guys like that in pro sports who are just nails in the regular season. I don't care about the regular season. That's why we call it the regular season. Once you get into the playoffs, when you've gotten rid of the other teams that just aren't as good as everybody else and the talent isn't as good as everybody else, I want to know what happens when the best of the best square off when the stakes are the highest. And you know what's happening? Logan Couture is about to catch Alex Ovechkin's in terms of goals scored. 50 for Ovi, 48 for Cooch. That is absurd. Logan Couture is playing at an incredible level right now. He is putting the Sharks on his back, and he's doing it in the biggest of situations. And what's really unfortunate is his two-goal performance from game number two was not rewarded with a win, especially because one of them was a shorty when the Sharks had done everything right and then suddenly found themselves down 2 nothing. He got him back into that game 2-1, and then he tied it up at 2-2. The Sharks weren't able to turn the corner in that game. That's how it goes sometimes. Again, it was unfortunate that he wasn't rewarded in that game, but he was a monster, and Logan Couture has been a monster throughout these entire playoffs. And to quote my good friend Mike Holler, who is the Press Box PA announcer for the San Jose Sharks, he says Logan Couture is on another level. And that's where Logan Couture is right now. He literally is on another level. He has a heat-seeking radar for the back of the net right now. He is finding ways to just score and make things happen for the Sharks. And that's what the postseason demands. I mean, if you want to get down to it, it's which team has the most guys stepping up in these individual moments. And it's the San Jose Sharks right now. And yes, they have had some calls that have helped them, but so has every other team in the postseason. And I could also make the argument that the Sharks have had about as difficult a road as any other team in the postseason, and they keep on coming out on top. That doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen by way of a bad call. That happens because you're able to fight and win games. Now listen, don't get me wrong. It's not like this series ended tonight. This is going to go on longer and longer. This could easily go seven. This could easily be another series that goes overtime in Game 7. I don't doubt that in the slightest, but the fact of the matter is, Logan Couture is stepping up in big-time moments. Jumbo Joe Thornton is stepping up in big-time moments. Two goals tonight after he had a Game 2 that he wasn't happy with and had a lot of people across social media and national media questioning his play and his line. What does Jumbo do? He puts the onus on his shoulders, he puts the team on his back, and gets two early goals to give the Sharks a 3-1 lead. And one of them was less than 20 seconds after the goal that cut their 2-0 lead to 2-1. Jumbo, although it was earlier in the game and will not get the same hero status as Logan Couture or Eric Carlson or the referees out of this one, hero goat, depends on your whole paradigm, Jumbo was huge in this game and he responded just like Logan Couture in the series against Colorado. He called himself out. He called his line out and said there needed to be a bigger response from him and his guys. He went out there and did it. Jumbo went out there last night and did it. Eric Carlson, who has not exactly been a goal-scoring machine as of late, 
He went out there last night and he did it. This was a huge performance and it was exactly what the Sharks need. And again, we've talked about the depth of the Sharks time and time again and guys stepping up and having the different guys to step up, whether it's LeBanc, whether it's Donskoy, whether it's Carlson, whether it's Vlasic, whether it's Jumbo, whether it's Logan, whether it's Pavelski, whether it's Hurdle, whether it's Meyer. I mean, listen, you just go down the list. This Sharks team is successful because they have so many guys who are able to step up in the moment. That's the importance of depth. That is why the Sharks are in the situation they are in, which is up two games to one in the Western Conference Final and taking back home ice advantage. That is huge, huge. And we now have joining us on Morning Tide, the one and only Brody Brazil. Of course, you know him from his work on NBC Sports California as a pre- and post-game host for the San Jose Sharks, as well as the Oakland Athletics. Brody, quite a game tonight filled with controversy, especially the way that it ended. I have this crazy take, and it's been evidenced by a few teams we've seen in the Bay Area the San Francisco 49ers that won Super Bowl 24, the 1989 Oakland Athletics who swept the Giants, and the 2017 Golden State Warriors, their first year with Kevin Durant, who were just absurd in the postseason. And that is, if you want to win, be so good that nothing else matters, or else you might have to suffer some consequences. And I think... That happened to the Blues tonight. They blew a late lead. They opened the door for the Sharks. The Sharks came charging in, and in the Stanley Cup playoffs or in sports, when anything can happen, anything did happen, and the Blues lost on an unfortunate call, but they're still the team that missed the empty net. They're still the team that blew the late lead. Am I I crazy for having this take? I think you have to make your breaks. But you also have to take advantage of your breaks when you get them. And to your point, the Sharks are not, you know, uh, in a controversial late game overtime situation, I should say, without Logan Couture scoring the tying goal with less than a minute left. And you're right. The Blues had a couple looks at an empty net. Jones was out. The extra attacker was out there. Joe Thornton had a monster game, picked up the assist, backed up by the two goals he had earlier. He finds out front either. Pavelski or Couture, one of those two guys was going to bury it. He centers it. It turns out, I think, eight touched it, 39 buries it. Just like that, we go to overtime. And, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. Any, any championship run that you see, unless it's one of those easy runs, right, like the Warriors do sometimes make, um, <laughs> they, they come with the necessity of breaks. And you can look at it a bunch of different ways. You know, if you're on the opposition tonight, St. Louis, they're livid now because – of a call that they definitely didn't benefit from. I could point out a couple earlier calls in the night that they definitely did benefit from as part of their four goal second period. And David Braun clearing one over the glass that wasn't even looked at, um, or even Sammy Blay hitting just Braun up high. And that one still might get looked at in terms of supplemental discipline. So I I think Joe Pavelski said it best tonight. Uh, Both teams are going to get their breaks. Both teams are going to suffer bad calls. The Sharks just happen to benefit last in the game in a close game, a tie game. And that's part of the reason why they're on the right side. And I'll just say this too, Ted, you know, out of the 16 teams that started in these playoffs, I really feel like eight of them right now, obviously only four are left, 
But eight of them at this very moment could go to the NHL with a presentation that said, we have been hosed by officiating <laughs> this many times. They could – eight out of 16 teams could make that great case, and all eight of those teams could have very relevant points. So what does that say about just the, the state of officiating and controversial calls in the NHL? But it's not just the NHL, Brody. I mean, we are looking at the general manager of the Rockets going out there and saying that they had a presentation from the previous year's Western Conference Final that they could have given to the NBA and shown how they were um, on the wrong end of decisions that could have awarded them an extra 92 points. If I'm a New Orleans Saints fan, I am still probably very, very upset. I mean, this isn't just the NHL's problem. To me, it's a problem of... And it undermines the officiating is that you have high-definition cameras that go back and look at plays in slow motion. Now, God forbid, if I was in charge of officiating, I would say you've got 60 seconds to review a call, but I would also not allow slow motion because the game is not played or officiated in slow motion, and I don't think that's the proper way to look at things. I think if you have to slow it down frame by frame, like they do in the NFL sometimes. During the Super Bowl, they had that play with... um, uh, with Edelman, where they were, did it touch his thumb? Let's go frame by frame. And I'm sitting there going, this is absurd. This has nothing to do with sports. This has to do with our camera technology. And I understand you want to get things correct, but at the same time, I mean, it just gets to such an absurd level that's beyond what the actual sport entails. Well, and then you run into the issue of what can be reviewed and what right. cannot be. For example, a hand pass, um, you know, or clearly if they miss the delay of game, penalty by Perron, there's no way for Toronto to make a phone call to St. Louis and say, guys, stop the game. We <laughs> saw that. You didn't. So you have all this technology. It's it's a matter of when do you implement it and when do you not? When do you have the human element of officiating in the game and when do you let it go? And I also, you know, to your point from somebody who works in this business, I can tell you that we have the longest lenses right now. We have the cleanest, clearest, slowest slow motion now that we've ever had. We utilize the most cameras in a game broadcast than we ever had with alternate replays of of many different angles. And let me throw this in. A lot of video exists on social media. So in decades prior, right, where there wasn't all this back and forth about was that a hand pass? Was it not? Was that a penalty? Was it not? Was that a head hit? Was it not? You know, nowadays it is out there on public forums for people to just go crazy with. And I think that's why a lot of Sharks fans right now are very defensive of the victory in game three is because they know it's going to be highly criticized. And it's kind of part of a sequence of other things that have happened in this postseason where there's a lot of controversy behind how games have come to conclusions. So I I think it's all those things and the social part of it definitely fuels the fire as much as anything else. So controversy aside, let's talk about Logan Couture for a second right now, man. You can make an argument that he's the best player on the planet. He is probably going to pass Alex Ovechkin in terms of postseason scoring um, in the next few games here. I mean, he is, it's amazing what he's doing. He got two goals in game number one. He got two goals in game number two, unfortunately, in a losing effort. Gets the huge goal tonight to send it to overtime. This guy is playing out of his mind. And I'm not saying that he is the best player on the planet, because I don't want to slight anyone that you look at their overall body of work and it's greater than Logan Couture's. But right now, the way he's playing in these Stanley Cup playoffs, 
he's out of his mind. I mean, what we're watching is, to me, one of those transcendent performances that we're going to talk about years to come. Yeah, I think, you know, 14 goals, which is great, leads everybody by a wide margin out of the four teams left. But think about the timing of those goals, Ted. Like, round one, uh, two, he had two of the four in the Pavelski payback. Uh, he had a hat trick, I want to say, game three. And by the way, we're at that point of the playoffs where I can't remember what game was what anymore. Uh, <laughs> round, round, round two, game three, Logan sang before that one at Pepsi Center, you know what, I haven't even scored in this series. I'm down on myself. All he does is come out with a hat trick in game three. Yes, the Sharks. Um, no, I take it back. Was it, No, that was three or four. Oh, here we go. I know. I was Long story short. in my head right now with you. <laughs> Yeah, because no, because the Sharks will. Oh, they no, the Sharks won Game Three, but you know, it just it's back and forth um, of of just Logan uh, the timeliness of when he's able to convert on these goals, and you know, again, less than a minute left. Um, I this goal tonight, this one goal for him means a hundred times more than the two he scored last game that you referenced mm-hmm. where the Sharks lost. He hates scoring goals in losses. He would much rather have this one in this circumstance. And so to your point, yeah, 14 goals. And he's now what, just a couple, two behind Alexander Ovechkin since 2010. He's got 48. Ovi's got 50 in the playoffs, but he would trade all of them. Well, he'd trade half of them for the timeliness in which he scored. Yeah. And it's so much fun watching it too, because you, like you alluded to, I mean, he hates to lose. And I loved watching him in game number two after the team went down two nothing. And really it was unfortunate because the Sharks had the better run of play after they gave up that first goal. You felt like they were going to be rewarded. And then suddenly they're down two nothing. And that, you know, when you're down two nothing at home in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you're chasing a game. It's not a good point, but then you're on a penalty kill and he goes out there and score scores the shorty. That was huge. He gets the second one. Like you said, it's in a loss, yep. so he's not as big on it, but I mean, they, focused on Logan Couture tonight. It seemed like they did a lot to try and keep the puck away from him, to try and keep him away from the net. And then at the most critical moment of the game, guess who's right there, as well as Joe Pavelski getting a pass from uh, Jumbo, which we'll get to in a second. It's Logan Couture. He's right there. He's able to score the big goal. I mean, it's just like the timeliness you mentioned. it's, It's remarkable, and it's just his... The clutch factor, and I know stat bros hate talking about clutch. They say that, oh, that's how they are at every other point. I I don't care. It was a big moment, and he came through in a big way. You dropped a stat bros on the podcast. That's, woo, that is, that's, that's impressive. That's also going to draw some comments, I think. No, and I, I had to go back and look it up while you were talking because it was just bugging the heck out of me. But you're, it, it was game three. At Pepsi Center, Sharks win by one, 4-3. Logan had three of them, and I think Timo Meyer had the other goal in that game, if I recall correctly. But um, uh, Clauture, right? Like, there is just there is just something to how and when he scores goals, and they, they seem to matter the most. And, you know, you think about even the playoff 2016, he was the leading point guy across the entire NHL. Even though the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, no better individual effort than, than 39. So, seems to love... Uh, the month of May and June in terms of committing to his team. Yeah, he certainly does. And he talked about it in the post-game interview with uh, Jeremy Roenick. He said that he never had more fun 
in his life than when they made that yeah. deep run in 2016. And I think there's something to be said about that, whether it's his uh, interesting celebrations. There is an aspect of Laura, aside from the fact that he is just a mad competitor and he's uh, he plays furiously, you also see there's that part of him that is having fun. And you don't see that from everybody in professional sports. But I think with Logan, he does kind of let you in on the fact that he is having fun out there on the ice. You know what's crazy, Ted, is I had the opportunity actually to cover the Western Conference Final in 2016. It was the first round I started traveling here. And in 2019, the hypothetical next round is when we would start taking our shows on the road. But I do have to say there was something magical about those Conference Final uh, uh, series games. The Sharks won in six, and, and they really they could have won in five. Uh, it was a depleted Blues team that, that postseason. They had just knocked out Chicago. But what I'm getting at is – I think Logan realized after the fact, after all layoffs were over, like you get caught up in the day to day of all this stuff right now. It is so important to stop where you are and to stop all the things racing through your mind sometime. And remember, you're one of the final four teams left in the NHL. And the fact that they alternate game nights between East and Western Conference finals, like the entire league's attention is on your game tonight. It's almost like the Stanley Cup final, except that it's not, but it's the closest thing, clearly. Yeah. But in terms of attention, like, and that's the fun aspect that I think he's referencing. And, and he knows it from being here and there before. And so I think what he's trying to do is pass that along to his teammates and say, guys, we worked so hard in that year just to get to the conference final and eventually to round four. Like, don't forget to live some of this up. It's not to say celebrate it like, <laughs> all right, we got here, job done, we're out. Um, it's more to say, hey, while you're here, get a taste of this and hopefully get more of it because you don't know how many times these opportunities come around. Trust me, in the postseasons of 17 and 18, all I could do was reflect on 16 and think right. about how special it was, even though the end really stunk. It's interesting that you bring up that aspect because I do think there is a sense of relativity. And again, we've got Brody Brazil here on Morning Time where Jumbo and Pavelski and Couture and Martin Jones and Burns and Vlasic. And you go down the list of these guys that are, were core members of that team and previous team. I mean, Brody, all we do this time of year is go through, um, you know, heart damage by watching the Sharks in the playoffs. This is what we've done for the majority of our lives. This team is in the playoffs. That's just how it goes. And we know that these guys, whether it's Jumbo, whether it's Pavelski, whether it's Couture, they've been down this road so many times. And I don't know what it is, but I feel like you alluded to they are all aware of the how special this moment is. Like they are, it's not like they're basking in the glory, but there seems to be a team wide appreciation of what they're doing right now, and it's it's rare to watch. I mean, this I keep on coming back to, and it sounds cheesy, and I'm not trying to make it like a Disney um, script, but there <laughs> is something that seems a little bit different about this team. I've watched a lot of sports yeah. in my life and the way the Sharks respond and the way they've played throughout this postseason, it just feels a little different. You could basically write uh, the next Mighty Ducks movie surrounding the story of Joe Pavelski alone. You know, the injury <laughs> in round one. I mean, wait, 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 wait a second. The start of round one, like the first goal of these playoffs off his off his mouth, he loses three of his bottom teeth, right? So there's a story. He, he comes back and plays minus some teeth probably some head injury and damage 
Game seven goes out for six more games, but they rally around him. Game seven of round two, he scores the first goal, handful of minutes <laughs> into the game, uh, opens up, you know, round three with another goal. It's just, it's ridiculous, his story alone. And yeah, when you tie in all the team breaks, I mean, I can only hope that when we look back on all of this stuff, as defensive as the Sharks fan might have to be right now with all the other conversations going around the league, uh, that, that someday you can reflect and say, man, you know what? Of all the bad breaks and all the bad times and all the contests where they didn't show up or they weren't in the right place at the right time. And th- these playoffs aren't perfect either. I do want to point out when you endure a second period like San Jose did, yeah, that's frustrating and it puts doubt in your mind. Um, but the third period uh, or even the first period of tonight's game, the first was way better than the third. But y- you have to understand the difference between getting the job done and being perfect. Nobody at this juncture is going to be perfect anymore. Good enough is all you can hope for, uh, well, unless you're the Boston Bruins and on the verge of sweeping Carolina. But y- you know what I'm saying here is like you can't be so greedy to think that the other side is just going to lay down and go away. That's definitely not the case. And even with this 2-1 series lead, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a first early point of momentum in this series, but we know how fast things can change. So, you know, it, enjoy it and, and, and take it for what it's worth. It's nice. It's not everything yet. We're talking to Brody Brazil here on Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Jumbo, two goals in this one, a huge performance, a game after social media and the national media was all over him and his line. I know Pete DeBoer, when he was talking to Pierre Maguire during the broadcast, said there was no doubt from him and his coaches on whether or not there was going to be any change in terms of Jumbo. He comes out, scores a huge goal to give him a 2-0 lead. Then, as soon as St. Louis gets on the board, Jumbo gives them a 3-1 lead. Obviously, we're not going to talk about him as much out of this game because we're going to talk about Logan and we're going to talk about the controversy with the final goal. But, I mean, Jumbo, man, just coming up with a big performance, especially after he and his line in the Nationals' perspective get called out. I, I love it. Great response, and um, there's something about, like, I guess a hat trick is not enough for Joe. He needs to, he needs one more than that for some reason. <laughs> uh, I'll have to do some research, but, you know, we were on hat trick watch for the big fella for a majority of the night, right? Because his his second goal of the game was about 90 seconds into the second period, so he sat on two for quite some time, and I'll throw this stat your way, Ted. He has four goals now in these playoffs. Do you know? This is his best goal-scoring playoffs of the entire career. And we're only, what, 17 games into it. Like, he's never scored four goals in one single Stanley Cup playoff season. It's, <laughs> it's kind of amazing, right? But I, I think the other stat sure that came shoot. out tonight, Brody, was this is his first multi-goal game of his yes. Stanley Cup playoff career. He's 39, man. <laughs> well, 21 NHL seasons. He's been in the playoffs a ton. I so, I mean, I think the surprise in that is that even though we know what his game is, right, he's the setup guy. Even though we know that, he's just been around so long and he's been so offensive his entire career. It's kind of a surprise that the numbers goal-wise, either in a game or in an entire playoffs, are that low. You know what I'm saying? The Sharks yeah. have been to the final before. They've been to round Three, just like this, in Joe's tenure, I want to say, I think this is their sixth time of franchise history, and I want to say he's been at least a part of that for four 
if not five. So you know what I'm saying. There's been opportunities before. I think that's the surprise here. Yeah, but uh, but no no surprise to your point about the rebound from last game, the criticism, the way Bortuzzo scored, kind of uh, scored, kind of stepped in on Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, don't you know? Yeah, Joe's too old. Joe's too slow. Joe's ran out of gas. All right, what happened tonight then? You know, it's it is crazy. Yeah, it's but it's fun, man. It's all part of the Stanley Cup playoffs and everything we get into. And by the by the way, the, the, your Boston take, I would say, if I was Carolina, they've got Boston right where they want them because Carolina's <laughs> Cinderella story this year. Of course, they would rally from a three nothing deficit um, and stick some of that karma of what the Red Sox did to the Yankees in two thousand four and kind of you know get, wow. show the Boston fan base. What it's like to be on the other end. Although the Boston fan base, and if you want to look at painful moments from their baseball perspective, they they have endured. We could uh, bring up a, a Bucky effing dent for uh, for instance. But uh, well, I'll, I will let you go, Brody, because you've been so generous with your time as always. But just as a final one for you, what's going to be your lasting impression of this game? Is it going to be one that is centered entirely around controversy, or are you going to look to Logan Couture, Jumbo, Eric Carlson, who has quietly racked up points? throughout this postseason but hasn't scored a whole lot of goals and he came up big tonight what is your 30,000 foot view on this game and now of course looking ahead to game number four first opportunity I think to mention this uh, because I don't know if we talked about it yet but Eric Carlson's first goal or two goals of 2019 I'm not saying of the 2019 playoffs I'm saying of all 2019 he hadn't scored since December 29th like it's it's nuts, and he gets the first one and the last one of tonight. But, no, to your point, the, the big-picture takeaway, I think, is I think the Sharks, I hope, for as good as they feel about the final moments of regulation and overtime of this game, I hope they also look back on it with a little bit of remorse just at the second period where defensively there were some breakdowns. I, I again, I think there might have been one goal that Jones would like back, um, but – the three of the four in that in that second period were probably more on the defense than the goalie himself. Um, so they kind of reverted to an unfortunate state um, that they had seen a lot of during the regular season. And uh, so I think the big picture is take the win. Wasn't perfect. In fact, 20 minutes of it were rather ugly. Uh, take all the frustrations and emotions and just put it in your bag and keep moving. Um, I think you know this too from a broadcasting perspective. Sometimes you'll have a show that technically or logistically didn't go as planned, but everybody seemed to love it because <laughs> it just it hit it hit notes for them. It resonated with them. And in the case of tonight's game, it was a win for the fans and a win for the Sharks. So you're not going to be perfect every time, uh, no matter how much you'd like to be and how you draw it up. You just got to take it, roll with it, and know that you can be better uh, in game four And this game four to me is an opportunity to get greedy. Just like game two was an opportunity to get greedy. They couldn't do it. You know, if you can take both of these in the show me state, coming back to San Jose for a closeout opportunity in game five on a, on a Sunday afternoon, holy smokes. Like (laughs) again, we're, we're, we're a couple of wins away from all that. Um, But you could kind of see where this could go if you're able to get the next one. Brody Brazil, ladies and gentlemen. Brody, I do want to take a moment to plug Intermission Live. That is unbelievably (laughs) entertaining because it's not 
it's not what the pre and the post game coverage is. It's just you guys kind of hanging loose and yep. Sonya bringing uh, you know social stuff. But you guys are hilarious, man. I'm not just I'm not just trying to kiss your butt. Like I genuinely love watching that right now because it just I get this raw version of all of you guys. That's not what is there in the post game coverage or the pre game coverage. It's just it's really fun watching you guys react to everything as it just occurs. Well, and I would say the only thing professional about our Twitter mission is that it occurs during a professional men's ice hockey game. To your point, <laughs> it is not very professional. It's very loose. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and honestly, I, I just try and do less talking and have the boys talk a little bit more from their expertise and share some stories. And sometimes, you know, they have things. It's it's so unplanned, and that's the beauty of it. So, yeah, we're on Twitter at NBCS Sharks every intermission nowadays. Uh, just breaking breaking thoughts down and taking your questions and comments. So thanks for the opportunity. Again, that was Brody Brazil from NBC Sports California. Always love talking to Brody. He and I have fun together, man. He's a good dude. And uh, if you're not watching him and the other guys and their pre, post, and intermission live coverage, you are most certainly missing out. But let's get in now to our post-game sound, hear what everybody was reacting with. We're going to start with the head coach, of the St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube, get his reaction, also including the questions here, because I think it's important for the context of his reaction. Craig, uh, do you think that was a hand pass, and did you get any explanation? No explanation. Did you think it was a hand pass? Well, what do you guys think? Yes. Okay, then don't ask me. There's no reason to ask me. Well, we want to hear what you have to say. Nothing. I have nothing to say about it. Chief, your frustration level, though, for a playoff game in overtime to end like that, how difficult is it and the challenge of getting your team ready to well, play the next game? it's difficult to lose in overtime and playoffs um, any time. And, you know, got to move on. Like, the team's got to move on. We all got to move on from it and, and get ready for game four. Really, that's all you can do. I mean, um, you know, we played a solid hockey game, but we are, we're on the losing side of it. And there's nothing we can do about what happened. We're just going to move on. And he's right. There is nothing they can do about it, and they do need to move on. That's the thing that I think people are missing out on, is you can complain, and you can whine, and you can do all these things as a fan, but if you're a player or if you're a coach, you can't waste any more time on something that already happened. You need to focus on game number four. You need to focus on strategy. You need to focus on everything else other than that literal play that ended the game. That now is superfluous to what's happening. That now is not insignificant, but it doesn't matter. It happened. It's over with. It's now you move forward to game number four and you try to get your team to level the series at two games apiece. That is the focus for Bruby and his team. On the other side, this is Pete DeBoer's reaction. Yeah, you know, quick play. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on the officiating. Uh, we found a way to win a game. Uh, I thought we had a great chance just before that. Timo Meyer going in. You know, it was it was a game of momentum swings, and those quick little plays happen all over the ice. Some get called, some get missed. We found a way to win. And then DeBoer was asked about replay review, and he wasn't having it. Without commenting, especially on those plays, do you feel that as a coach you would rather have review decisions on all the you know, that, 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 that's, that's for Gary Bettman and the GMs. That's not for Pete DeBoer. I'm a coach. 
You know, if you want to talk, ask a question about the game, about rules and, and reviews and things, that, that's for GMs and, and Gary to decide. And before we shift topics, here's Eric Carlson uh, getting cute on the hand pass question. Well, we weren't playing handball, were we? So we're playing hockey. I think, uh, you know, we deserve to win this game. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think that uh, neither team, you know, uh, drew the shortest stick on uh, any of the calls out there. So uh, it's a fair game. Moving along in terms of topics, here's DeBoer on Joe Thornton's big night. Well, you know, this guy's one of the greatest players of all time. And I know he wasn't happy with his last game. And that's a response you get from a Hall of Fame player. And... You know, we wouldn't wouldn't have had a chance to win without him and the character and the response and the leadership. And more on Jumbo. Pretty cute moment with the media after the win when Eric Carlson was asked about his first year playing with Jumbo. Uh, this question for uh, Eric. Um, what is What have you learned about playing with Joe Thornton this year, first year playing with him? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we're both, uh, you know, dishers out there. Yes, about... <laughs> Like 7,000 more than me, but it's nice, uh, you know, after uh, being this long in this league and still have the passion for the game and, uh, you know, he's gone through it all and he's still doing what he has to do for this team to be successful. And uh, I think that that uh, speaks a lot about the character that he is. And I think that that drives this team. Now, maybe lost in the overall arc of this game and the controversy and the way it ended is the fact that it was an exceptional hockey game back and forth. The Sharks are up 2 nothing. The Blues come roaring back from a 3-1 deficit to take a 4-3 lead. It's back and forth. There's incredible moments. There's incredible stops. There's incredible goals. Here's Logan Couture talking with Jeremy Roenick after the game just on his viewpoint of everything he saw. It was a roller coaster up and down. We, we played well in, in a few spurts, and then uh, they took over for, for long long periods of that game. So we need to be better. We know that going forward, uh, and that's what we're going to try and do in Game 4. And here's Couture's take on his game-winning goal and everything that led up to it. Yeah, I was tired, so I was thankful that Peter Angelo kept ice in the puck, gave me, gave me a bunch of uh, time to, to conserve and, and get some more energy. and. Um, we, we were able to battle. Uh, Jumbo won a battle on the wall, threw it in front, and I was able to bang it home. And you heard Brody and I allude to it. Here's Couture on just why he's so good in the postseason and the fact that he is having fun. I don't know. Uh, it, it's the most fun to play hockey in these months, and in April and May and, and hopefully June. Um, you know, I've never had more fun than I had in, in 2016 when we made that run to the finals. and. Unfortunately, we came up short, but uh, you, you get that taste um, when you make it so far. and You play for so long, and it's, it's pretty crushing when you lose. So um, I want to get that feeling again where we make it that far, but, but change the ending this time. And lastly, let's hear from Martin Jones, who will probably be overlooked in history in this game. But after having a rough second period, he was huge in the third period, made a number of massive saves. Here he is just on the overall response he had from the second period heading into the third and overtime. Yeah, I mean, you know, it sucks giving up four, obviously giving up a two-goal lead uh, twice. So um, just stick with it. I mean, we were down one goal. We we knew we were still in the game. Um, You know, anything can happen, especially in the playoffs. We've seen that already in in the first two rounds and uh, just want to give our guys a chance. And then we did a great job there. And here's Jones on the big performances from his teammates like Jumbo. Yeah, it's huge. Um, You know, we've we need more guys jumping in and contributing and um you know it wasn't even the goals i thought for jumbo and his line today it was uh you know they played really well um 
you know, top to bottom. It was nice that they got a couple goals, but but they played really, really well. So um, that's great when those guys are going like that. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. Remember, each episode of Morning Tide drops the morning after San Jose Sharks playoff games. Coming up next, it's game number four, Friday at 5 from St. Louis, which means I'll be talking to all of you on Saturday morning, and then it's back to the tank for game five on Sunday afternoon. This is getting fun, guys. I hope you're having as much fun as I am. A big thank you to Brody Brazil for taking some time out of his busy schedule to join me here this morning on Morning Tide. And, of course, a big thanks to you, the Sharks fan base, for continuing to tune in. All right, for the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. Thank you for listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Ramey. Music composed by Yogi Yend. New episodes appear each morning after Sharks playoff games on the Sharks Sharks digital Digital platforms. platforms.